Well, good morning, church. So we're going to be in Psalm 100. Uh, I don't always name my messages or title them, but uh, I do have a title today. Um, it's Thanksgiving at the Father's House. Um, but we're going to look at Psalm 100. We're going to read that uh, right now. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness is faithfulness to all generations. You know, we just recognize Thanksgiving, right? And I thought it would be a perfect time for us to just have a conversation about how to take our complaining and turn it into praising. Um, you know, that is something, I'm talking about this theme about... Um, uh, stronger together. One of the things that will make us stronger together is every time we come into this place, this place of worship, is that we leave all of our complaining behind and we just praise. Or that we bring our complaining and we turn it into praise. That would even be better, wouldn't it? You know, there's so many things for us to complain about. And I'll tell you what, my son, Micah, he is not a complainer, or at least not in my book, uh, he's not. Um, he always sees the bright side of everything. If something really bad happens in his life, he tries to figure out how that might be an okay thing or it turned out good or something. I just spent a week with him, you know, out in western Kansas hunting. And so he was, he was talking to me constantly about just being more positive. Uh, and I think that there is, a, there is a knack to that. I mean, I think as soon as our spirits decide, I'm going to be this, we will wake up and realize we can be this. You know, it's just really a decision. I'm going to walk through some things with you, but let's read some verses first to promote this a little further in our spirits today. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Do all things without complaining or grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world." Now, last week we talked about that we are stronger together uh, when we shine, we shine brighter as we come together. You know, we all have these lights we carry around because of Jesus in us. And as we get together, all of our lights coming together makes us brighter for the community, for each other, and it just really promotes. But one of the things that will discourage your light or dim your light is grumbling. And, you know, the more you grumble, the, the less bright you become. And so we could all bring our lights together, but our lights still won't shine as bright as they could if we had come in this grumbling spirit. James chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And then in Jude 16, of course, in Jude 16, you need to read ahead of that just a little bit, but Enoch is just talking about a prophecy, you know, a vision that he was given that one day in the future there's going to be this thing that comes against the church in a very negative way. And, and they are going to just have a terrible attitude. 
And this is how he describes them. They are grumblers, malcontent, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. I bet we could probably make a list of people maybe he's talking about. I don't know in our world today. But, but let us look at this. I was just thinking about what are the typical things that I could think of that we often grumble about, complain about. Um, so maybe this is my own list. I don't know. But, uh, but here are some of the things that I come up with. Taxes, weight, house repairs, bills, election, bad marriage, laundry. I mean, the list could go on, right? So how do you take things that are so easy to complain about and turn them into things to be thankful for, having the spirit of thanksgiving? Um, well, here's my try at this, Okay. I am thankful for taxes because it, it, it shows that I am employed. Um, I am thankful for my weight because it means that I have plenty to eat, right? I mean, there's, I got the abundance around me. Wherever I want, there it is. I am thankful for house repairs because it means that I have a place to stay, a place that I can call home. I am thankful for bills because it means that I live in luxury. Because in my thinking, if you have a bill, it's because you have excess. You know, a lot of people don't have an electric bill because they don't have electricity. You know, they don't have, you know, water bill because they don't have running water in their house and things of these sort. And so if you have a bill, it's probably because you have abundance. Uh, and just being thankful for that. I am thankful, and I know this is a stretch, but I am thankful for the election results. Because it means that I will trust you even more. And I think that even that could be turned to a positive thing in most of us. I am thankful for a bad marriage. Because it means that I'll find delight in you and you alone. I just think that anything can be more of a thanksgiving than it has to be a complaining. And I know you ladies are wondering about this. I am thankful for a pile of laundry. Because it means that loved ones are nearby. And you're thinking, well, I have a pile of laundry and I'm single. Well, then here's my shot at that. I am thankful the pile of laundry because it means that I have a lot of money because I have a lot of clothes. Or you say, well, they're all hand-me-downs. Well, you could say, well, I'm thankful for a pile of laundry because it means that good friends and people are taking care of me. You know, I just think that no matter what you, we complain about, isn't there just a different attitude that you could have, a different perspective on it that you could have? We can learn to turn complaints into praise if we just desire to do so. And to be honest with you, you are sitting here, you're in Jesus Christ, you, you know the, the Lord of the universe, the one who has saved your soul, you know where you are going no matter what happens. Do we really have that much to complain about? You know, Paul, he found reasons to be thankful while he was in prison. We've talked about Paul in this situation a lot. But in Philippians, if you read through Philippians, he's sitting in prison and he is, he is excited that he is there because of how it's advancing the gospel. And so even in the midst of something that we would have a lot to complain about, because he, he's there for no good reason really, right? Uh, but he finds a good reason to be thankful to be there. You read through Philippians and, and the word that they attach to that book is joy. And that's what, because that's the attitude that Paul had. 
You know, Job, if you read through Job, you, you just have this sense of a man who has lost everything and yet finds the bright side of it in some way. You know, he lost all of his, his children, his property, his health. And this is what Job 2.9 says. It says, then his wife said to him, do, do, you still, uh, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. And he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women who speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And then it says that all of this Job did not sin with his lips. Somehow he kept all that complaining, you know, within him. And he found a way to, to be positive. James 1, 2, you know this very well, but count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter many trials or, or many colors of trials of various kinds. And, and I know that all of us would read that for the very first time. I remember the very first time I read that, I was like, that doesn't even make sense. But you have to read the rest. Why does he count it joy? Because he says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let its steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So he took something that we normally complain about, which is trials, and he says, Let's praise God for trials. Why? Because it makes me perfect, complete, not lacking anything when it's all said and done. And you think, well, how, I don't understand. What about health? Well, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, So we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. And I'm starting to feel the effects of all of that. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary afflictions is, comparing for, is preparing for us an eternal weight that Weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at, to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are t- transcendent, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And there's just a sense of positivity, right? Though we are wasting away, though we are getting older and we can't do the things that we do, it reminds us that inside we're just being renewed day by day. We're just getting better. We're getting closer to something amazing. We have a God who gives us victory like in, in every area, in every season of our lives. He just has this way of turning our complaints into praise. So when we come, we should be people who, who praise We truly have no reason to not be thankful people. Every year we celebrate Thanksgiving. I think it was contributed to George Washington. Am I right on that? Is that right? History? No? Okay. Uh, Anyway, it goes back a long way. So let's just put it that way. (laughs) All right. I don't know who established it right off the bat, but, uh, but I know that it has been carried on through generations after generations. But when you think about... You know, just the, the, the people, most of us, not all of us, but most of us who, who came to this country. We came leaving everything behind, right? We are just in search for a new land to be able to worship our God freely and to be free people. And the first thing we find is that we have nothing. We don't even have shelter. And so we had to find shelter. And eventually we took what we, you know, just this the stuff that we, was temporary, and we started making these homes that were more permanent. And we were thankful people. Why? Because we were free. Because we could worship free. 
You know, eventually we, we even went up. We just kept increasing our blessings. We, we, we traded in our streams and our creeks and, and our lakes for running indoor water, which would have been an amazing blessing, wouldn't it? And, and then we end up getting indoor plumbing, and then eventually we end up getting electricity, and we got phones. Can you imagine the, this the invention of the phone and being able to make contact with your loved ones who were long distance away or even down the street? Hey, can you bring me some sugar? I mean, how convenient that would be. And, and we just, we, this, this kept on going, you know. We, the, the, we got stoves and we got dishwashers and we, we traded in our horses for cars. And we, tr- and we got these things that we could call planes that would take us long distances in such a short period of time. We have TVs, internet, we have, uh, you know, golf carts. Well, that was a great invention for people who like playing golf, Right. We have compound bows instead of stick bows. We have microwaves. You know, I think one of the best inventions ever is Walmart pickup. I love it, you know. I hope they never quit doing that. Um, but the reality is, is it's just endless. I mean, could you make a, what would our list look like if we started from where we began and all the blessings of everyday life that we have today, the doctors and the medicines that we have? I mean, it's just endless the things to think about, but how thankful should we be compared to the first pilgrims with all that we have? And yet here's, here's the thing that happens. The opposite happens most of the time. You know, the, the more we get, the less thankful we become, the less mindful of God that we become, uh, the more that we want, this desire in us, this want more and more and more and not being satisfied. In a certain area in Mexico, I read this this last week, there's, there's this place in Mexico that they have a hot springs and a cold springs like right next to each other. And so all of the ladies in the village used to, I don't know if they still do this or not, I would think that they are further along, but, but they used to have these, these hot springs and cold springs, and so they go down there to do their laundry. They could actually wash their clothes in this super hot water, right? And then they could just, right in the same place, they could rinse their clothes in this super cold water. And there was a, a tourist uh, um, boss or something that was going by one time, and the lady was talking to the guy, the Mexican guy there, and said that they must just be so thankful that God has given them like hot water, cold water, and all one place. And he says, "No, Senora, um, they aren't thankful at all because they are like, how come God didn't provide the soap?" And I don't know if that's even true or not, but what I do know is that the attitude is true. You know, that is, that's, just, that's what we struggle with, isn't it? The more and more we have, the more and more it seems like we have to complain about instead of the more we should be thankful. I think the Psalm 100, which is what I want us to meditate on today, is, is a perfect place to go to, to just really check, you know, our attitudes for which when we come into this place together. And just making sure that we are taking our complaining and turning it into praising. And that we are leaving thankful people, you know, no matter how we come. That our attitude is adjusted to some degree. So let's just, it's not very long. I want to read through it once again. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Is that how your heart came into this place? Making a joyful noise? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. 
and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. You know, from what I can tell, this psalm was written to the people of Israel after, you know, um, God had delivered them out of the hands of, you know, the Egyptians and was leading them into the promised land. You know, God was like saying, when you come into the promised land and you settle down in your homes, you're going to have plenty. You're going to have all this abundance because there's this, this is flowing with milk and honey, right? Isn't that what he said? And, and when you come and you have all this abundance, I don't want you to forget me. I don't want you to forget how you got to this place, why you have so much. And does it take long to realize that people need reminded to be thankful people? The Israelites needed this reminder, and so God gave it to them. And we need this reminder. Did you see how it was addressed? I think find that interesting. The very first verse, it's addressed to who? All the earth. Right? The very last verse, who's it addressed to? All generations. I mean, it's not just their reminder. I think it's our reminder. It's been everybody's reminder. It's a reminder that God just knows that his people need to have, is to be reminded to be people of thanksgiving, people who, who are praising and worshiping with the right spirit and attitude. I can't help but when I read through this, I feel like that he's, he's, he's calling for a gathering. You know, like, like we do every year when it comes to Thanksgiving. There's this call for, and who initiates it? Most of the time I think that it's like our parents, right? If you have parents, that's who kind of initiates the gathering of Thanksgiving. Where are we going to have it? What are we going to do? I just feel like that that's when I read it that that's what's going on here is that we're talking about a gathering of people. Because look, in verse 2 it says, serve. Well, serve who? You don't serve self, right? So the fact that he's talking about let's serve one another, meaning that we're coming together in a place where there's people, there's groups of people, and you're going to serve one another in gladness. Verse 2, it also says, come. Well, come where? Where are we going? And it's like an invitation, you know, that God is saying, come. To this place. In verse 3, it says, We are his. We are his people, his sheep. Again, it just seems like a gathering of people, right? Aren't we, aren't we considered his sheep in the New Testament? And it's as if he's talking about we. Who are we? He's talking about we, the church, I think, at least in our generation. Verse 4, it says, Enter his gates. But who's his? It's his house, right? His course, his palace. It's like he's offering an invitation, God is, to come into his house. That's why I couldn't help but entitle, you know, my message this time, Thanksgiving at the Father's house. Because I see this as an invitation for each and every one of us to come into this place. And maybe I'm reading into it a little bit, but I don't think so. I think it's an invitation. An invitation to be around his table, you know, in his location. 
With that in mind, I want, to, I want you just to notice three things real quick before we close. Three things about this gathering that the Father has established. The first one is, is that uh, your attitude matters when you come to this gathering. Right? At, at his family gatherings, it matters how you come. And so he wants to prepare ahead of time. Just to try to get everybody's attitude right so that when we come, the, the, the setting and the atmosphere is good. And, it, and that's what sets the atmosphere. It's not all the decorations, although that's always cool and, and everything. But really what sets the, the atmosphere is the attitudes for which people have when they come together. So Psalms 100 verse 2, it says, Serve the, the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's how he wants you to come. It is with this attitude of serving, this attitude of I'm here to bless other people. And I, I think that at least in my family gatherings, this is the way it's always been. All family gatherings include many people that are required to prepare ahead of time to bring, right? And uh, I, I think that, again, a lot of times it is established by the parents. You know, maybe they start the text, the group text, or I guess that's kind of what we do now, or the phone call, or, or whatever. But they start the communication. Who's going to bring what? I'm, I'm going to provide this. What if you guys did the desserts? Or what if you guys did this? Do you guys have these conversations with your family? There has to be this preparation that happens ahead of time so that people come and, pre- and are prepared for this gathering. And it's all about serving, right? That's why you're creating these things, is to serve what you have, you have done uh, to other people. And I kind of get the same sense that that's what's being established here, to serve one another with gladness. To come ready to serve up gladness. To come ready to, to participate in singing and, and, and these kinds of things. Come to the church ready. If indeed this is his family gathering, this isn't Westside's family gathering or Mike's or the elders, but if this is truly God's family gathering where his people come together, then let us just be reminded that he has some requests and some expectations of this gathering and some things that he wants us to prepare ahead of time. Here's the second thing, and, is, and that is that your focus matters. Not only does your attitude matter, but your focus matters about how you come. As, as he, his family gathers, it matters that you remember who is the object of our gathering. This is something that I was reminded of uh, this year as well. But let's look at verse 3, because this is where we get it. This is, should be our focus. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know, Thanksgiving is primarily about remembering, right? Remembering the blessings. And so part of Thanksgiving as a nation, the reason that whoever established it, whatever president uh, initiated this, it is primarily just to remember our roots, like where we come from. You know, how, we, how this place got established and, and all the people that helped put it together. That's what we're supposed to remember. So we remember what we call them, our forefathers, right? 
That's what we remember. That's our focus. It's the same way with families, too, I think. You know, when you come together as a family, I think the, the center of that gathering is usually who? It's the parents. That's just in my, in my experience. You can tell me if it's different in yours, but, but in my experience, that's like the center of it, really. is. And a lot of times it is at the parents' house. Not always, but sometimes it is. And, and you just know that that's what is like, the, this, they get the, the honor, you know, the seat of honor to some degree. And, and rightly so. Why is that so? Because we remember where we come from. Like a nation, we remember that we didn't get here by ourselves. And we remember as a family unit, we didn't get here by ourselves. Somebody begot us, you know. Somebody had us. Somebody gave us life. And there's just this sense of honor. You know, this is the first year ever that I had Thanksgiving at my house with the fewest people I've ever had Thanksgiving with. It was Lori and I and Jeremiah and Andrew. Andrew was recovering from his wisdom teeth, you know, extractions uh, that uh, he was Having kind of a tough day that day. Jeremiah, he shot him some ducks that morning and uh, just barely missed a deer that evening. He had an awesome day. Um, but it was just us. I've never experienced that before. I know some of you have. And, and it, you know, one of the things that created that is because my mom and dad right now are still held up at their house. I encourage it. I'm glad that they are. And they can see the light in the tunnel, right? Um, and without them, it just seemed like no reason to gather in that, that side of the family. Like that was our motivation. But, but don't you understand why that would be that way, at least feel that way? Because our parents are that. Our country wants us to remember our forefathers. Our family wants us to remember our parents. God wants us to remember our Father God. When we come to this place, he has to be the center of our gathering. Did you see in this? I want you just to look at this. Verse one, you will find the word what? Lord. You see that? Verse two, you will find the word Lord. Verse three, you will find the word Lord. Verse four, you will find enter his gates with thanksgiving. Verse five, you will find the word Lord. This is a gathering that is around the Lord, our God, our Father God. He is the focus. If we come here and we are focused on self, then we've missed the point of the gathering. If we come here, we are focused on the music, we've missed the point of the gathering. If we come here, we're, we're find ourselves complaining about this or that, we've missed the point of the gathering. The, ga- the point of the gathering is our Father God. And if he's not here, there's no reason for us to be here. He is what holds us together. So, just to remember our focus. Here's the last thing, and that is that your conversation matters. Your conversation matters. It says here, it says, as... In verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So there's just this sense of praise and this sense of blessing. 
And, and because we are singing to God, you know, as we gather together because of an invitation that He has given us, it matters how we worship. And because we're, we're singing these praises to God, don't you know that He is up there just blessed by that? I think one of the things as a, as a father or a dad of grown children now, one of the things that... Uh, blesses me more than anything when we have our gatherings is the interaction that I see these grown children starting to have with each other. You know, I love how excited Jeremiah gets when Carrie and Micah come to the house or Cole come to the house. I I, I love like when we were at Lewis and Carol's on Friday for Thanksgiving, uh, Micah and Andrew and Micah's new friend um, were just talking together. And I know that you know this, but when, when you see your kids interacting and having conversations and enjoying each other's company, that blesses you as a parent, right? And I just know that that's the same way it is with God. When he sees the way that we are coming together and praising together and acknowledging God together, it just makes him glad and it blesses him. So we shouldn't come with this complaining spirit we should if we have things i no doubt that could make a list of of pretty important complaints in our life but we have the ability because of what jesus christ has done in our lives we have the ability take these complaints and turn them into praises take these complaints and turn them into thanksgiving just like we practiced there at the beginning there is always a way of seeing the brighter side of things because of our father god So we have so many reasons to praise. So the last verse, and I'm going to close with prayer, and then we're going to move into the most important thing that we've come here to do today. And that is communion. But the last verse, it says, For the Lord is good. Can you say that today? His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. He has been so faithful to us. In spite of all the things that we have done, he's been so faithful to us. We have so many reasons to always bring our praises, always bring our thanksgiving. This is literally the Father's invitation around his table every week. It's like Thanksgiving at the Father's house. You know, 52 weeks out of the year. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this, the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much that we get to call each other brothers and sisters because of what you have done. Thank you so much, Father, that we have so many reasons to praise and and to worship you. So many reasons to have our attitudes adjusted and to just be people of thankfulness. And one of those reasons, Father, is what we're about to step into, and that is this communion that you have established, this table that you have put together, that you have set before us. You are truly amazing, Father. In every way that we could ever think, you have blessed us. Our blessings are just so numerous that we couldn't even count them if we tried. Help us to increase our thankfulness. Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus. 
It's in his name we pray. Amen.